Jesus, take the wheel. It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep, bro. Episode six. Seven. Seven? Yes. Oh. God, I've ruined that. (laughs) Episode seven. It's not that deep, bro. The film analysis podcast where we analyse all the weird, wonderful and wacky films. I'm Jack Oland. And I'm Martin Duverge. And today, we're going to be discussing John Carpenter's 1988 cult classic, They Live. Amazing film. If you haven't seen it already, watch that shit. Just uh, grab the laptop. Uh, we'll read you a brief synopsis of the film. Fortunately, I don't have a laptop. No. Because I've got a PC. Well, PC Master Race! We don't have the budget for, for two MacBooks, Martin. That's crazy. So, I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis for those who have not seen the film. It follows an unnamed drifter, played by Rowdy Roddy Piper, also known as Domaniac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, if anyone watches that, who discovers that the ruling class of the planet are aliens, concealing their appearance and manipulating people to spend money, breed, and accept the status quo with subliminal messages implanted within the mass media. Wow. And it's... Aged. It's a roller coaster <laughs> of emotion. Aged incredibly well, <laughs> is what I would say. This is the film I wish I made. It, I mean, you can still make it, but you, you just have to put your own sort of look into it. I know it may not be like, it has to not be the exact same. Oh, yeah, plot. I'm just talking, you know, you. I watch a lot of films and you, you think about the filmmaker's motivation for making the film and whatnot, and sometimes you empathise with it and I'm like, yeah, I could see myself like making something with that sort of message. Mm-hmm. With this, like every bit of it, <laughs> the whole thing along the way, I'm like, I agree with every decision made. It, let's first start with... Let's start first with the main... the first scene of the film, right? Um, you start with the classic... John Carpenter soundtrack. His films are known for the soundtracks, these big modular songs. Yeah, they are. And he our good friend Liam Cook went to see John Carpenter's I don't know if John Carpenter was there, I'd like to think he was, but it was I believe an orchestra playing the music from his films. Oh really? Yeah. And I think, if I remember correctly, when? he told me when they played music from They Live, the whole orchestra put sunglasses on. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what he told me. That's brilliant. Which was incredible. For people that don't know. Carry on. Um, right, we start first at... You just see... George Nada. You don't really, like, hear his name quite uh, said quite a lot, uh, but you just see him walking. John Nada. John? Yeah, John? John. Yes, that's John. Uh, oh, no, that... But... This is from the book. Did you know... Yeah. Well, you might already be about to tell me this, but the Spanish, nada is Spanish for nothing. Nothing, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he basically, John is like the most common name you could pick. And, and then his last name is nothing. So... And he's, he has nothing, so... He's just he's a sort, shell. Yeah, exactly, he sort of like plays into it, yeah. Um, the George Nada is from the book that this film 
is based on. And I got them two mixed up, I guess. Mm. But you just see him walk, walk in, middle of the street. Um, he seems like a... At the start of the film, you get you get the the people that are in the film and who produced it. And you also see the towel of his sort of like nickname. He's like the street preacher. That's what they, they say. Oh, yes. he's At the beginning, he's walking past a preacher who's warning about the what he will eventually find out he's saying mm-hmm. that there are entities on the planet that are draining attacking our consciousness i believe is the exact phrase but, but it's weird because this person is blind and you can't they obviously he can't see the sort of aliens or the, whoa, 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 whoa whoa you're way ahead of the game Jesus. All he's doing is walking down a bad part of town. That's Looking right. for a place to stay. Yeah. And on the side of the street, there's a, street, a preacher who's preaching. Um, and he kind of takes little notice of mm-hmm. it, walks But you do, you do see that the police come and stop this, this preacher, which is that for someone who is just talking in the street, why would the police bother with them at all disturbing the peace martin what exactly but disturbing the the peace of who that was a peaceful street until he came there with his conspiracy theories he can do whatever he wants freedom of speech well not in this world he can't of course not so mr nada ends up taking a job as a construction worker to Mm -hmm. make ends meet but you see him first try to take a job in a hospital Mm. And he doesn't look like a, a hospital worker, though, if I'm honest. No, no, he doesn't. But he could, he, I mean, he could help a lot with, I don't know, garbage disposal. Or... Wow, that's appropriation. He's a sensitive soul, we see later in the film. He could be a nurse. He could. But at the start, you, you see him like, he seems like such a nice guy. He's like, oh. He's got is, heart. Yeah, he's, he's like, I believe in America. It's the world of opportunities. You know what I mean? Like, that's how... That's what... Make your dreams come true. That's it. That's what he... he, The American... body in... Like, what he embodies. Well, he's the all-American hero, and we'll get to that later in the film, because by the end of the film, he (laughs) he fully lives up to that role. That's right, yeah. At the job at the construction site, he meets a fellow called Frank, and Frank leads him to a shanty town, which is like a soup kitchen, little town where all these... But you first, you first, you first got to talk about how they met. It it wasn't just like oh Frank talked to him and he was like oh yeah that's that's cool man let's go nah you know that Frank talked to him and he just looked at him like bitch please get out and then just started like didn't pay any notice to him it was sort of like you know what. I don't like the way this guy looks. This guy looks so... Well, because we live in, like, 2019. It's quite a polite age, actually. We're going through what's right and wrong and how to speak to one another. But toughened men, hard-working class men, they're, they're beat up, as we learn about Mr. Nardo later in the film, that most... They've got issues and they're set in their ways and they play it safe. Yeah, they play very safe. He plays it very safe. So safe that he just follows him. He follows Frank. Not well, Frank offers him an olive branch and says, there's a place you can stay if you want to follow me. And Mr. Nada kind of 
feels infiltrated by Frank coming into his space, mm-hmm. so he just ignores him, and at his own pace follows him to the shanty town at his That's own right. comfort. But he, you see them, you see that Frank stops at a traffic light and says, "I don't like being followed, especially when I don't know why I'm being followed." Which is but fair then, enough. Exactly, it's fair enough. But then, obviously, John then says, it's because you've told me about this this place and I want to see who's going. Um, so you see them going to this sort of shanty town. And they meet the leader, Gilbert. They, yeah, they, 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 they're all... Everyone there, you can see that they're all homeless. Yeah. Everyone in there is homeless, no matter what, like how they it's are. People for down, place for people down on their luck. Soup mm-hmm. kitchen, shanty town sort of vibe, and the leader of the place is called Gilbert. Gilbert, right? And Gilbert, uh, I'm not gonna say he owns a church, but there's no, a church in run, the vicinity. Yeah, he, and runs, he runs. He it. runs a church. Yeah, Gilbert and he does. uses the the kitchen in there to feed everyone. Mm. So, now. And when you get to the shantytown as well, you see a man watching television who... The man on the television is saying the same things the preacher was saying at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And it's the same sort of message. There's entities here. They're coming for your consciousness. They want you obedient. They want you locked down and docile. It's weird how he just... He... Obviously, he can't see the TV... But he recites the whole thing that the person on the TV is saying, like, without looking at the I believe the, the, correct, the correct term is channeling. Channeling? He is channeling that gentleman. How? What, what do you mean? Well, channeling is when, I don't know, Martin, if the devil were to take you over right now and speak using you, you'd be channeling the devil. Yeah, but that's... That that's, preacher is channeling that man. He's not. He's not. Doesn't look at the man. He doesn't have a sheet. No. We don't even know if he can hear the man, Martin. Yeah, we don't know how far away that man is from that TV. He could not be hearing it all. It could just be completely coming from his mind. But you could. You could so hear it that he can hear. Oh, yeah. The no, TV. no. 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 You can hear it in the film. We get given the audio. Yeah. No. Because no, no, we're no. also witnessing a homeless man watch the television on the TV. I get it. I get it. But he stops when he stops. If he was. Yeah, which is why I'm saying it could be like a psychic thing. Because later in the film is what I'm trying to imply is that yeah. they say all the TV sets are giving out signals. <laughs> but then if he's not close enough, then how would he... Psychic? This is a science fiction film. Why are you, like, acting like it's all so real? <laughs> nah, nah, it But it, it just... He stops exactly what he stops. So if he was channeling it, he would carry on. Because the person carries on talking. He doesn't, like... Stop and then carries on when the TV's on. At no, the, the end of the day, is cu- constantly on. It just so when he said it, gone. Doesn't matter at all. So Mr. Nada discovers the nearby church is a front for something. Gilbert's running something funny out of that mm-hmm. church. There's something going on in there, and um, there's kind of this idea that there's like a uh, a middle class in the shanty town that there's like a the people in the church are higher up than the rest of the homeless people in the shanty town and there's like a 
jealousy between mm-hmm. the two. That's right. You sort of see uh, John just always see Gilbert go into the to the church. Which, if you're running a church, you don't. It's not really weird for a person who's running the church to go to that church a long to, a lot. Well, it says here in the synopsis, Martin. Yeah, that he doesn't run this church. No, it says that Nada sees scientific equipment. <clears throat> um, Nada discovers the nearby church is a front for scientific equipment and that the voice is singing is actually a tape recording. Uh, yeah, but how did he see that before getting into the church? He didn't. Well, I think that happens, as you said, it like builds up. He sees Gilbert more and more going into the church and he becomes suspicious of the church. That's it, yeah. Which is not, like, if you're, if you're, if you're not John, I guess, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think that's suspicious if you're running the church. And then after he says, obviously after he confronts Gilbert and Gilbert says, oh, we use the kitchen for, to feed everyone. Mm. And then he's like, what, till four in the morning? He's like, well, yeah, we've got a lot of people to, to feed. So then he, he, there, he then sort of like thinks, oh, maybe there's some, something going on in there. That's way too late for a kitchen to be running. Yeah. And so he, then, then he finds the equipment. He gets the vibe that something weird's going on in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, as the viewer, you kind of get the sense that it's a sinister thing going on in the mm-hmm. church. Um, this is a common theme in this film. The shantytown and the church then get raided by the police and everything's on fire and stuff's just blowing up all over the place. And that mm-hmm. happens multiple times throughout it's the film. A, it just... The, the way that the scenes just transition from like, oh, it's, it's a nice neighbourhood. Bam, police, police, police. Blowing up. Shooting, blah, like loads of people running away. Like it's I such a enjoy how this film makes you feel like it's there's stuff going on all over the place, not just where the camera is. That's it. Like it's a universe, and other stuff from outside go. It comes into the scene. Yeah, and it's like it's <laughs> yeah, it's happening. It's it's, it's good. He so, then he then but before that happens, he he sort of sees this boy who has binoc- binoculars, and he. So, like, set, says something to the boy that makes it so that he can he gives John the binoculars. Then John, this is once he he finds all this equipment. This is like midday, maybe two o'clock in the afternoon, and he gets gets the binoculars and he just watches the church for hours till till nightfall, till you can see just pure black in the sky like he must have been watching that for a good seven hours you seem really worried about why a lot of people do things in this film of course because it like you seem very worried about something you wouldn't you wouldn't just stare at even if you saw something suspicious you wouldn't stare at it for depends how suspicious no 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 no, no, no. depends how suspicious it was martin 100 percent so if you if you depends how suspicious it was. I get it, but how suspicious is finding equipment in a church? Look to you, 
gone. Well, to me, Jack Holland. Yeah. No, not very. Not very. To so would boy, you? I'm not that boy. What you're not John? No, I'm not, and I don't know what his motivations are. You know? No, of course not. No, no, no. That's the journey. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm putting my opinion on it. This is the whole point of the... I'm trying to get in John's head. <laughs> what do you mean you're trying to... You can't get into John's head. How, how, what would you think going through that? What would you think is going through his head? I mean, when he saw that, you were like... I'm a young man. Down on my luck. Not much money. Okay. Family non-existent or out the picture are you maybe sort of thinking maybe he's thinking or maybe the church is his only out you know maybe he's actually wanting the church to be maybe he wants to join the church maybe he's just looking for something to hang on to Martin since he's already because he's got nothing he's running and he's just looking for a place he's just looking for home I don't know, but that's just an example <laughs> of what John Nada could be thinking. Yeah, I know. But so don't tell to... me what? that I can't get into John Nada's head. I didn't say you couldn't get into his head. I'm just saying, like, getting it, like, why would you want to be in his head? Like, you. I'm in my head all the time. Why would you want to be in somebody else's then? Because I'm in mine all the time. That's like locking yourself in a room and yeah. someone being like, do you want to leave this room? And you being like, no, I'm fine just being in this room all the time. <laughs> That's why I watch films, to work out why the characters are doing what they're doing. It's that deep. This film is that <laughs> deep, bro. You see, it's not that deep for me. I'm just like, I'll watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, cool, no worries. You're like, I, f- you I feel like my room... room... You've watched it and you're like... I feel like my room is a lot bigger than what your room is. You you think, ah, oh, my room's four I feel like your voice walls. is much That's higher it. than my voice is. <laughs> you're a dickhead. Anyway, I feel like your room is like four walls and you're like, well, I'm done with this room. I, I need to get out and see other rooms. Sometimes you just got to open No, no, no. Okay. Never, ever do you just stay in one room. When have you ever done that? No, 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 no. I'm not saying you ever stayed in one room, but I'm saying like, exploring more... That like, room? Yeah, exploring more, uh, like, a deep understanding of your own... Done that. Know my room, 10 out of 10. I know every corner. I've looked under every coaster. I know that there's, like, old socks under the bed. I know... Fair enough. I'm still not there. That's why it's deep for you, not so deep for me, I guess. And you put your own projection onto the characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm like, someone made this character and it's my job to wear them like a glove and work it <laughs> That's it. I'm like, I want to be in that situation. Like, if I was in that situation, what would I do? I don't know, you're you. You're the only person that nah, can answer nah, I get that. <laughs> I, this is why I was explaining... What you would do. Yes. Which is what I feel like we're trying to do right now. Nah, what I'm trying to do is say... What, yeah, what I'm trying to do. You're trying to do something completely fucking different. So, I don't know what you're doing. Um, well, I do to... know what you're doing, but... In a... I'm doing what the podcast call. We're working out. We're yeah, but for one... me, it's not that deep. For you, it's very deep. It's got, like, deeper than deep. It's got, like, somewhere fucking... We meet in the middle. <laughs> 
And we're only like 20% through this film, and this film actually really does get into the kind of conspiracy of how society is set up. So this film, you know, is on my side, and we're just going to get deeper into this film. Yeah, I know, and it's a... Ver- For anyone watching, this film... Is deep. Is deep, and it's incredible. It'll, it'll make you look at other... If, if you go into it deep enough, it'll make you look into other people and feel like... Shit. Who are they? Who am I actually talking to? John Carpenter calls this film a documentary about Republicans. Yeah. Um, A friend of mine was telling me about this film, and he was like, it was meant to be more of a documentary about the government. And... But that that just turned into a film. If you were to throw all the conspiracy books... Like, about government conspiracy, the JFK murders, aliens, mythology, gods, all of that. And you throw them into a big machine that printed out a movie script. And, like, or, like, a not a movie script, a an amalgamation of all those ideas that stripped all the crap away and just gave you the basic themes of each one of those conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. You get this film. It's basically the end result of conspiracy theories circa 1988 basically yeah there's a lot of things in it now that if you were to end up on the conspiracy side of the internet things have changed a bit more Mm -hmm. different themes have come up but this is like classic 1980s conspiracy material there's a group of aliens running the country. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're getting ahead again. Well, we don't like, have to go through the whole plot like that. We can just jump around and like yeah, jump on So shit. when you, when I do it, it's, it's not okay. When you do it, that's okay. I'm really sorry. You fucking should be. Anyway. Now that's been sorted out, Martin can continue. Yeah, I'll continue. It gets, to be honest, it gets to a point where like, when you saw that whole that first scene where all the police just goes in, you you thought, for a little group of people, obviously at this point, we don't know anything about aliens. We don't know anything. You're just watching the film and it's, it's fine. But then you get, it's an incredible amount of policemen Oh, it's it's really over the top. Like, so over the top for whatever group it is. I don't think there's ever been that many policemen for a terrorist attack. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a crazy thing to say because you just don't know if that's true or not and there's no way that we can actually find out if that's true or not. But what I will say is that it's crazy over-exaggerated like Brazil. Like, it's just... It or I don't. If anyone's seen the Martin Scorsese film After Hours, it, it's on that level of just chaos where it's like, is this real? Like, or is this this is like dream levels of absurdity happening here? And the whole film's got like a a vibe like that. This is outrageous. What's happening? It's so outrageous. Um, John goes back the next day to the church and the shanty town, and it's all in ruins. And he finds a box of sunglasses in the ruins of the church. Um, well, he finds a box. He doesn't know they have sunglasses. Which he opens and finds out the sunglasses. Yeah. He puts these sunglasses on, and what he sees is a game changer. It's... It, at first, you're like... 
Because he looks at the ground at first, you, he puts him on and then takes him off. You you saw like when he sees that you're like, why did he do that? Well, yeah, you're con- you're confused about that mountain, but that is because of your sight. That's yeah. I mean, because he's taking them off because everything goes black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. But I get it now because I'm like, when you first see the 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 pavement and then he puts them on. And then sees it's black and white. I get that now. But at first, because of my sight, I didn't, I didn't sort of see the difference. I was going to say that in the film, but then you told me to wait until the podcast. But I actually thought it was more appropriate to tell you that off the podcast. You should have just said it then, <laughs> shouldn't you? What? But now I'm really glad I said it on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, he puts these glasses on, right. everything's in black and white. And he starts to notice that billboards, books... Bus advertisements. Magazines. Magazines. They're, they've, they've all Ed- changed. Whereas they're normally full of catchy slogans and vivid neon advertisements, they now just are simple black and white affairs. One word. Obey. Consume. Reproduce. Uh, marry. Be obedient. Be obedient. Quite... No independent thoughts. No independent thought. It's quite bleak. It's quite a bleak mm. affair. And on top of this, he notices that some members of the general public are grotesque aliens. <laughs> but I f- when, I f- when you first see it, like, it- okay, I'm going to put my view Go into on. this. If I first saw that, how, like, like, I wouldn't be able to... I wouldn't... I would have freaked out. Like, the way that he... He, he sort of, like, dealt with it, although it's, like, very... It's strange. To me, I would have definitely freaked out. Just because it... I'll be putting these on, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing... I'm really, aids. really struggling not to go back to a conversation that we had, I think, not last week, Martin, where you told me that you'd keep your cool in an alien situation. It's quite a big discussion that we had. You said you'd play it cool. I said I'd freak out. You're talking about one, one. If if something came to me... No one has ever seen one. Yeah, no one's ever seen one or... I'm just talking Hundreds. about the whole thing, really. When I it, when I say I'd freak out if I saw anything, if I saw a disc, mm. if I saw an alien, if I saw it doesn't matter if I saw one or ten. I don't know what the fuck they are. Like one could be as powerful as ten. I don't know. We that's the point. It's an alien. So one, a thousand, it just does not matter. Like it's terrifying anyway. But I you you freak out. To see it, to see it with like the way that he sees it, like it, these are people that have integrated into like our sort of society. Yeah, we know, like from watching the film, we know what they want. I told you, I you don't if know I why saw, they want it. No, but we know what they want. Just us to obey. No, they said it. They want to have. Into galactical. They don't say that till later, though. We're talking. He's just put the glasses on. Oh no, no they do say it in the preaching bits. Yeah, actually, don't they? Yeah, but maybe 
I don't know, would you put that together? Would you put the glasses on and be like, oh, shit, that's the thing the guy, the preacher, was talking about? Yeah, of course. Cause I, it, well, I think... If, it, if it, you, he saw the preacher... It all depends, Martin, because I... Do you see, like, when, when we were talking about it, I said, I don't know what that person wants. So he could be a good guy, he could be a not good guy. I wouldn't freak out about that. But if I know what they want, if, if, if someone would take me to, to a... If an alien took me to the spaceship and started doing tests on me, I would freak out. That's normal. But if, an, if I saw one alien or uh, a group of aliens and I don't know what they want, I'm not going to freak out. If I know that they want to keep us obeying and, uh, like, reproducing and all this... Of course I'm going to fucking freak out. It's normal. I disagree in the sense that if you were to put the glasses on mm -hmm. and you looked around and everything... Every single aspect of society had evidence that it had been touched by these alien beings. Obviously, you are in their realm and therefore must act completely normal at risk of showing them that something's up. I get it. I and you I didn't just, get that. You no, didn't. I, no, I get what you're saying, but I just told you I would put my view in it and mm. I yeah, yeah. would freak out and is I, what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I... I know you, you, you'll probably be like, oh, okay, keep calm, keep calm. You, I'm trying to work out how not to die. That, that, yeah, exactly. I would die straight away. I feel like I'll be like, they'll just, they'll say, shit. John Nada takes, I mean, he is shocked by affairs. Yeah, he's shocked, but he's not as shocked as I kind of like what happens from the moment he puts the sunglasses on. The film just kind of takes a walk with John. Like, mm -hmm. it, like... There's no... The plot isn't being pushed forward, really. He's just kind of strolling around, just looking at stuff and, mm -hmm. like, getting a vibe for it. And he walks into, like, a florist. Or, I don't know, it's, like, a convenience... I remember it's a convenience store because I said it looks like clerks. Yeah. It was all in black and white, but with aliens. And um, he just, like... He's almost laughing at the absurdity of it all. Yeah. And he points at a woman and he's like, you're pig ugly. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and that... This is the bit... This is, like... You don't like this bit. <laughs> this, this bit, like, even at seeing the film, it was just like, oh, shit. He... They know now. They know. He's dead. The idea of them saying, like... We've got to watch her. We've, we've got, got to see her. We've got one that can see. Oh. oh. Because just think of what that... Like, that sentence. We've got one that can see. One. 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 That word one is like, oh, fuck. They see us like that. One. Yeah. That's how, like, we talk about... That's how all the terrible people that eat meat talk about eating chickens, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's just another one. Like, it, that's how aliens would see humans. Mm -hmm. Just, like, some fucking throwaway thing. It's just... It, 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 like, it's... As soon as that... As soon as that scene happens, it's just hair standing. You could just... That whole... That one sentence makes the whole fi film feel like, shit, that's real. So... You know what I mean? As I noticed that they were all... All the people that are aliens are middle-class and above people. Martin realised that not one of the aliens is a person of colour. <laughs> not a single one. And I watched out for that, and you, you are correct in that. Not a single one. Um, which is quite a... But maybe that's because of... Ha 
when the film was made. Because I feel like if it was made no, in, I still in think, 2019... Well, no, no, no. I think if a film in 2019 was made about the people that... if Run the world. Yeah, well... Not to get too deep into this, but if there was ever a time for aliens making contact with the government of Earth, it was the government of 1950s, in, like, the 1950s. President Eisenhower... And he gave a very famous speech about the dangers of the military-industrial complex and how the American government was becoming all segregated into different portions and those portions would end up turning against one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And all, I don't know, a lot of people in the UFO world think it would be very easy for once the government was all divided up like that to just take over different parts of the government and turn them against one another and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. My point is that at that time in the world, the world was has been run majoritively by white people. Old white men have fucked everything up, basically, is, is the general way that this goes. And for the past 30 years... That, this is a minefield to talk through this, because you could be racist at any minute. All I'm trying to say is that black people have been oppressed and haven't been able to run the world. And that's obviously an awful thing Mm -hmm. up until the past 50 to 100 years. Black people have kind of come into the arena, especially these days, Black Panther and films like Get Out and stuff like that. We're really seeing like... It's more... Black people represented within the entertainment industry. I would say more like 30 years. Because I feel like... I just wanted to give them... I just wanted to... The beginnings of it probably happened at the beginning of the 19th century. I don't know. Slavery ended, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the century, you've got hip-hop, which is like a direct response to people being oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film heavily leads into the idea that it's old white people that, that have really fucked the... everything. Yeah. Up, basically. Um, so, yeah, he gets in himself into a position where the aliens are like actively coming for him um he ends up killing a couple of police officers that are aliens before we get into that he's sort of like he goes from being this like lovey person that like uh wants peace oh you just want peace still yeah yeah and, uh, well, like killing all the aliens he wants peace on earth for the humans <laughs> But it's not like that wouldn't be peace. Without the aliens gone and the home, all the humans would hold hands and get together, learn to love everybody right now. So killing, killing something that you don't understand makes it so it's peace between everyone else. Well, this is very, like, 1988 again. In 2019, I don't know, Martin. If these aliens... <laughs> it's not like these aliens are actually trying to give everyone candy. They are fucking as hard. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. But, like, <laughs> there may... Like, there may be... Uh, I may be, like, a fucking maybe, sympathizer here, but, like, maybe there, there's you're aliens... The, you're the people on Independence Day on top of the bank building saying, beam me up, Scotty, come and get me, and they're just going to beam you up and vaporise you and laugh at you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why no. do you think they give a fuck about us? No. Be- because they're taking it... They could have just enslaved us. 
Look at the technology. They, they have, have enslaved us. They've, they've taken it up. They've not enslaved us to the point where we know about it. They've enslaved us to a point where we don't know about it. That's even evil. That's Matrix shit, Mark. <laughs> this was 12 years before the Matrix. This Yeah, point. but like, imagine... So you're, what you're saying is, oh, yeah, fuck it. Let's give them guns. That, no, that, no, no, I'm saying kill them all. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, if you're that alien race, you're going to be like... Instead of enslaving them and not having them uh, rebel against us at all, and we just use the constant resources that they have, we'll give them a chance to rebel. You have to make them feel like they're equal. It's very important to a slave race. Not that I have some sort of degree in raising a slave race. No, no. But if... The people you're oppressing know they're oppressed, they're going to complain. You have to make... It's the element of the... Not the element, the... The guise mm -hmm. of free will. Right, right. They have to feel like they have free will. Okay. That's the most important thing, because right. they can't complain. They can't... Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But... Do you know... They've put in a large portion of the human race and made them rich. Loads of it's a small portion of the human race that are rich. The elite. It's the 1% of the world. Yeah, true. But they, they, it trickles down and they run everything else mm -hmm. like a big tree. But as a, like, as a whole, right, as a whole, you, you think, oh, ki killing, or, killing every single one of them is going to have peace. Do you think they don't, they're not going to have, like, a backup plan where they'll just destroy the whole Earth instead? Oh, we've, 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 lo we've lost that planet. Well, let's kill it. The good thing is, Martin, we've actually seen this film and we know what happens at the end of this No, film. no, yeah, I know, I know, but, like, that's just one bit. They've seen... They've, they... So you're saying that this film could be part of an expanded universe and John Nader didn't actually save the world, which would make this whole film null and void because we haven't got a sequel from it so it is null and void if that's which, what you're saying which they're making a sequel they're making a remake apparently they're making a sequel what is it he, trusty he, friend he, yeah, yeah, here yeah, tells I, me proposed I heard, remake I heard there was a uh, they lived two but there's been no talk about it since 2011 and it's considered to be in development hell but it's, it's, there's still talks of a, a sequel, not it, a remake. No, it says remake. It says remake. Proposed remake. Well, Let me say it another four times. Please. In fall 2010, there was a development on a remake of John Carpenter's 1988 film, They Live, with him in a producer role. Fantastic. The film, from this point on, I mean, I don't want to, like, pick the film apart... 100% and tell you every single scene because I want you to go and see it yourself and put your own uh, your own views on it and your own in interpretations on it but from that moment on of him put <laughs> I will say that at one point he meets back up with Frank the construction worker that he uh, becomes friends with and becomes compelled to get him to try the glasses on my whole point about John was that he went from a a peace lover Sort of like... To the all-American action hero. 
That's right. Yeah. Like he just he just turned like he just turned. Like there wasn't there wasn't any like oh maybe I should think about this. Nah, I saw I see aliens, I'm gonna kill him. Well no, he you know, he states at the beginning he loves America and this has come up against his country. Um He's not going to let that happen, not for the flag, Martin, not for George Washington, not for the Constitution, the American dream. He's proud of that, and he's not going to let that die. Yeah, but the Americans have, like, sold themselves out. So what what does that mean for the American dream? If you go to America, that's like you're a Dominican man living in England commenting on the Americans. (laughs) If you were in America, they'd be like... I feel like America's like so close to my country closer than it is to England do you get what I'm saying? you've moved away yeah I know I've moved away (laughs) I know I'm here what I'm saying is that that wasn't the point Mm -hmm. we make points and then we get in arguments (laughs) and we have to make new points to back up the arguments and the original point is lost stick in the pocket of the conversation John Nada becomes the all-American hero because he understands that everything he knows to is who? a risk. To who is the American hero? To the Americans. The one that sold themselves out. Why would he be a hero? To who? The other Americans. It's an archetype that exists mainly within 1980s films, emphasised by... I don't know, Bruce Willis in Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it actually might come from the archetype of, like, the cowboy. He, that's probably the beginnings of where this archetype began. John Wayne with the guns and stuff like that. It's always saves the day, but he's dirty. He smokes fag, you know, that sort of thing. That then evolved into kind of, you know, the man in the wife beater that smokes a cigarette and he's kind of mardy about everything. But he's, With a, a tattoo of a, the flag. Yeah, and he rolls his sleeves up and puts yeah. his packs of fags in there. And, but he saves the day at the end of the day. He's a mighty bastard. But he gets the girl at the end. It's an archetype. It exists within... It's just the all-American hero, isn't it? Terminator. <laughs> this film reminds me <laughs> inherently of the Terminator films. Which is, which is so fun. Because he took... It, it, so it's fun. a really fun film. They're really fun films. This is a really fun film. You, you get so many, like, different... Like... So a vibe from different films all put together. It's a right into one mixer. I actually think this film is like as real as it could be. From what this film's about, this is as real as it would. This is what it would look like. He turns from like oh, a, a hippie in. He's not so much a hippie. He's, he's a damaged man. I mean, at the beginning, he could be like. I don't know, it could be like an alcoholic or something like that if you didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. But all he is is just down on his look. That's it, yeah. He he's, he's, I believe John Nada's a good man at heart. He's trying. He's trying. And he comes out with such classic lines as, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. <laughs> and I'm all, all out, out of bubblegum. Bubble gum. <laughs> Which, as I mentioned earlier on, the actor Rowdy Roddy Piper was a professional wrestler and he gave John Carpenter a list of things that he'd say because as wrestlers, you have to hype up a match. So let's say me, Depan, was fighting Diverge as our rap names. All right. I'd be like on the television a week before the match, like, 
I'm going to crush the, power, uh, the Verge into a very small corner until he looks like a box. That was terrible. But <laughs> Yeah, I get the point. Roddy Piper wrote down all the ones that he'd say and gave them to John Carpenter, just as things like... Started. For him to say. Mm-hmm. And John Carpenter enjoyed the bubblegum one. <laughs> Is that the only one that he... Yes. I'm a, I wonder how many he actually gave him. Anyway, let's carry on with the film. He he then so we've gone past he's killed a few a few of these grotesque yeah, aliens. I'd rather let then, the end of the film be left slightly ambiguous. That, we're, we're not when well we're about halfway through the film anyway. We're yeah. Not, we're not, not from that point on the film becomes more and more intense. It becomes more and more why? Because you you keep knocking the phone. Martin's got the best intentions at heart. <laughs> the film, he gets deeper and deeper into the alien mm-hmm. threat. Threat, yeah, I was going to say conspiracy, but... Well, it's no, at that conspiracy. point, it's not conspiracy Yeah, it's anymore. not conspiracy it's, anymore. It's yeah, it's happening. Um, but, yeah, he gets more and more into it, and then he, he meets... As he's running away from the police, he's, he meets this girl, Holly Thompson, mm. who he takes sort of hostage. Um, so to he escape can, from the police. To escape from the police, which are all the aliens. Um, not all of them. Are not all of them, no. But we'll get to that. Um, and he gets away, and he, he finally gets... Um, she takes him to her place. And in her place, she's sort of like, oh, you're not sorry you're here. You've got a gun. And he's like, well, if you look through these glasses, you would know. You will know what I'm talking about. But she never looks through them or whatever. And she's sort of like trying to get away from this guy. Because obviously, if you were in that situation, somebody's got a gun to you. She beats him do... over the head with a bottle and he falls out the window. She's really not stoked on his on his presence. That's it, yeah. Throughout yeah. their encounter, she keep, he keeps trying to be nice because he obviously feels bad about putting her in that situation, mm-hmm. but she keeps stressing, no, this is your fault, you put me in this situation and I'm not going to feel sympathetic for you. No. She proceeds to beat him over the head with a whiskey bottle and he falls down a hill. He does. Losing his glasses. He does, but you sort of see in that, like, that last scene, that last scene where she's on the phone to the police, you sort of see, like, oh, shit. Oh, she's distressed. Yeah, this, she's distressed. She's like, oh, well, he wanted me to see through the glasses. Let me, let me see if I'll see it. Cuts, it, it cuts to him, and he's running away. And he gets away, and he goes back to the construction site to see... Frank. That's when he everything goes into sort of downhill spiral for for John, because Frank does not believe anything he says. Um, he's just saying, "I've got a family. You need to keep away from me. I don't want nothing to do you, you man." He's shot. He's nine aliens in a bank, and that's why. Frank is so 
worried about talking to but him. But at this point, obviously, from Frank's Frank, point of view, yeah, he's, he's just, just a murderer. Yeah. Like, this, he's just a mass murderer talking to him. That's it, yeah. And what eventually ends up happening is Frank... Uh, John gets some sunglasses from the same box that he got the other one from. He There's, there's a short scene in a bin lorry where he has to go and get the glasses out of the bin lorry. Um, and... He's trying to force Frank to put the glasses on. And what ensures is a five-and-a-half-minute fight scene. Between Frank and John. And, John. and it is... It's, it's a great, such a great fight. It's, it's so a showcase good. of Roddy Piper's wrestling skills. It's a showcase of John Carpenter's directing skills. And it's a great analogy for person that believes in conspiracy theories talking to a person that doesn't believe in conspiracy theories and the relentless battering from each side like i want you to hear this i don't want to hear it yeah exactly (laughs) instead of it happening as a conversation it happens happens as a fight as a fist fight and well we've watched this film twice now the first time i saw it it was comedic goal oh. like it was slapstick like yeah, tom and jerry it. He cartoon he just, just kept going on like it, it 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 does really show how some conspiracy theory people are relentless to the point where once they that person knows about it they're like oh shit part of the group and this is like this fight scene is like so great because John just keeps on going. He he's almost nearly knocked out two or three times, and, it, and he just keeps getting up and up. Like look through him. It's also a testament of how much people don't want to hear it mm-hmm. from the other side. Yeah, know? that's it. From Frank's side, no, no, no. Which if you if you literally, although it may not be the same when when you're when you're sort of like looking looking for answers through the internet it may not be as easy as putting on glasses and seeing through it through your eyes it like i get i get sort of like frank's point do you, do you get what i'm saying like mm-hmm. if you if you if it was sort of like john telling frank oh, if you look through all these websites and do 10 hours of research a day for... No, it's like one it, simple way of... Exactly, it's just one simple way, which, if I was in that sort of situation... Although, John Nader does say at one point that wearing the glasses f- for too long feels like a knife twisting in your brain. So it's yeah. not like... Although you may have to research something for 10 hours, don't think that that's all enjoyment. No. It's you must know. Yeah. If you want to know what's going on. But that... That's what it comes if, down if to. If Do it you was, want to know? If, yeah, exactly. If you were in that sort of situation where it's like uh, it, looking through glasses or finding someone for, for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right? You you would just look for a fucking glasses because you'd be like, oh, yeah, fuck it, whatever. I'll just look through them. But when it, when it comes to like... And then once you put them on... And you it see... It won't be that easy. No, it won't be that easy. You'll 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 be like you're. It's like you're seeing the light. You're definitely like, oh shit, <laughs> this has been happening for a long time. You you see, Frank's are like, how how long have they been there? Who are they? What do they want? Oh, and Frank just goes, questions. yeah. He, Frank just goes, uh, 
I don't know. It's like, I don't need that shit right now. Like, that's yeah. all, like, that's sort of like Frank's frantic personality coming out. And I'm like, at the end of the day, once you know, one person or two people can't do anything. So that's when John goes, that's, when you have a fucking plan, you fucking tell me. That's a theme that runs throughout the film as well, that the individual upon realising the revelation that everyone's an alien, the individual wants to scream and shout like a mm-hmm. madman. But once... I was so... Uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. I was so like, Frank's side. You, you saw him. He, fuck, he freaked out. Mm. Once he got into that hotel, he freaked out. Yeah. I feel like if if Frank found the glasses first, he would have done what I would have done. It's funny because the film's actually incredibly accurate in the sense that Roddy Piper's character doesn't do so well in the material world, but he handles this conspiracy stuff really well. Whereas Frank Armitage handles the material world really well, but this conspiracy stuff really shakes him up. And I find that's how people... That is... I feel like that's me and you, you, yeah. Well, it's how a lot of different people are. Like, I see that all over the place. The people that are invested in what's instantly going on around them get really shaken when big things happen that affect, like, their overall worldview. Mm -hmm. Whereas I get really freaked out. You know, you say, like, I'm... anxious about stuff i care about this this little bubble around me because that's mm. the stuff that instantly affects me on a day-to-day basis the alien stuff i can't affect that i can't change that i, can't, I have no play in that so it's just information for me to find like mm. that i can't change it it's there sort of thing it, i mean i'm sort of like i want to change that do you get do you get what i'm saying like i want to be able to be like shit I want to do something about it. But I want to be, I want to be, uh, John Nada. I want to be like fucking kick ass American hero when I change it. John Nada. John Nada's only doing what John Nada's doing out of necessity. He's got an end goal in his head. I don't think he enjoys the process. He just needs to save America. It's a pain in the arse. Whenever he sits down, whenever he gets in a room alone, he's like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> like he's like fuck <laughs> this is draining me <laughs> well that's what the glasses do so like it just fucking drains you out but he's running around he's shooting things he's constantly on edge he's like at risk that the whole planet is falling to pieces mm-hmm. it's a stressful what doesn't he- what doesn't help it that is that your own human beings are taking their side that doesn't help. Well, yeah, they're all selling out. Humans yeah. are actually siding with the aliens. And it's funny, that line, there's a line in, at some point in the film that one of the p- humans that have sided with the aliens, he says to, to John and Frank, what's wrong with selling out? We do it every day. Mm-hmm. And that line, a film executive actually said that to John Carpenter. And he was like, I'm going to use that in the film. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Someone from Universal Pictures. Jesus. That's real stuff. <laughs> Scary. It's just, it, to be, like, it, it's so accurate to not a point where, like, oh, there's aliens out there. Um, although, like, watching the film, you, you saw, like, 
once you finish watching the film, you're like, oh, shit. Um, maybe I should look at other people in different ways. Well, but it, you shouldn't. You shouldn't because at the end of the day, if you haven't, if you haven't found them glasses and you don't see like what's happening, let it be for, for now. You have to... Do the research first before you think, oh, what well, everyone else around me could be a... Uh, you have an alien. to gravitate towards this stuff in the way that it comes into your life. You ain't going to hear the ramblings and r- ravings of someone else. It has to come to you. But what I will say is that if your idea of aliens and science fiction and things like that is... Flying saucers, little grey men with ray guns from Venus and Mars and travelling millions of miles across the galaxy to come and take over our world. I'd watch this film because it gives you... What the aliens are interested in is owning our enterprises, owning our businesses, controlling us from a point where we don't actually know about it. It's, it's not Independence Day where there's, like, laser beams and fire and it's, it's like a war... It's, it's evil. This is, like, really messed up. And if I were to believe in some sort of alien hypotheses, I would lean that way more than Martians coming in spinning discs with Reagans. That's all a bit 1950s to me. And the, I- <laughs> the idea between a coalition, a coalition between aliens and the government, that's an interesting idea. Oh yeah, like that is just all. That is always going to be an, an interesting. But one. I feel like if an a going through the whole film, you see that the alien race that they that they have is very well advanced. Oh yeah, they're, they're teleporting. They're in space. They've they've done it all. Apart from they die pretty quickly. That that's one thing that just it get you have so much technology, but yet you die like a normal human being. But that makes like... no sense. You can te- you can teleport from Earth to the Moon to Andromeda, like they were saying in the film, or like is Andromeda diff- the star they said they're from? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, not that where they're from. It it's said that you can travel to them, like what oh, you know so. the intercom yeah. or whatever. It says it that you could travel there, mm-hmm. um, but they could do all these amazing things with the technology that they have, but yet they haven't made a technology that stops them dying from a bullet. Yeah, the thing is about this film is that they cram in... So much is crammed into it that they are not thinking about things like that. No, they're not. He's trying to tell a very specific story in a very short amount of time, like, with a lot of information. Mm -hmm. I've... You know... There's films that are the same length as that that have 1% of the content that that film has. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, it takes, it, yeah, it takes a lot of... Um, there's a lot of stuff. You kind of... It benefits from a second view in that film. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 100%. You saw... You yeah, we, saw see it differently. Like, once you see that end, and so once you see that happen, and once you see, like, every scene transition, like, when you first watch it, Every transition that you have, like, it, it goes from all the police coming to that church out of, like, literally nowhere to, like, less than a minute. And there's about 500 policemen in this church to when um, he 
gets hit he he gets hit over the head with a fucking whiskey bowl and put a through a window like every transition that is happening through this film mm. when you first watch it you you feel like oh shit it, it it doesn't make you jump but it makes makes you feel like oh look at that 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 scene was fucking sick but then once you watch it a second time and you know what's gonna happen you saw like see different stuff that's happening in that scene that you didn't see before. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? You get to... Whatever your brain paid attention to the first time, it's now not paying attention to that. No, it knows exactly. It's free to see all the other stuff. Like what you said at the start, the, the magazines that were showing. Oh, yeah, there's a bit... It's one of the first times he's had the glasses on and... He is talking to the man, a man that sells newspapers, and there's a book. Magazines and all that, yeah. There's a, like a turnstile of books behind him, and the first one that you can see is The Guide to ESP. I'm just going to see what ESP stands for. Uh, I, I saw it's like extra... Extra sensory perception, yeah. and I didn't, didn't even get to looking that up. That is what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is by a gentleman called Edgar Casey, who, um, long story short, he's like the one of the earliest people to claim to be psychic and stuff like that, and uh, just little details like that. Like this film is riddled it for a conspiracy theorist, for someone that is like well read in counterculture and conspiracy theories, and you know just alternative media. It's a dream. Mm-hmm. It's like they he wove together a story out of all these themes and showed it how it would actually look mm-hmm. to a fairly realistic level. And it's fun as well. It's not like a really serious, like, everything's fucked film. Like mm-hmm. it, every- no, it's... It, it, I'm telling you, like, you go through your motions when you, you like, go, th- like, see this film. You just sort of, like, get to a point where... At the start, it's so nice. It's this guy trying to make it in life. And you you sort of relate when you first start. Obviously, you don't relate to the sort of, like, not having a job, but you relate to it. You're trying to make it. Oh, you're like, a man trying to make it in life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then him coming to a realisation that not everything is as it seems and that there's people behind people that are trying to... Behind get, everything yeah. there is our, a whole world. And, you know, Lovecraft... Lovecraft. John Carpenter cites H.P. Lovecraft yeah. as a major influence on this film. And for those of you who don't know, H.P. Lovecraft was a writer in the 1800s who died poor, penniless and fameless until his books then got picked up 50 years or so later and he is the originator of Cthulhu uh, Aquaman is heavily based on H.P. Lovecraft but his his books are all connected in this big extended universe and there's this whole theme of that this, this underworld beneath everything mm-hmm. and John Carpenter says that that is a big theme in They Live that behind everything there's an underworld yeah and you you, you... It, like, I, like I was saying, like it, you go through these motions throughout watching the, the film and it gets to the end where you're like, 
you feel like, oh, this is gonna. I don't want to ruin it, so I'm just gonna leave it there. But you, that last scene, is quite like heart warming slash breaking. I think it's warming. I think the end it ends on a well. I know what you mean. That yeah. it's heartbreaking, but it, this film is um, what's the word? It's a standalone piece. It's just a comment. Mm-hmm. It's not an extended thing. It's not like this. It doesn't need to be. No. It's just a statement. It's like this other what if mm-hmm. situation, and I love yeah. that. It's like what if is the best way to describe it. Actually, what it's it's like a what if. Thing. Yeah. Why this actually? Yeah, it's it ha- it has its ups and downs. You you saw like they finally get to a point where Frank and John finally see. Um, well, John uh, no Frank finally sees what's happening, and then they after this fight they go to a fucking hotel and then they get a room. What? You just gonna. Describe the whole film now. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that they get to this room, and what like once that all that transitions, and they're trying to like um, sort of figure out what's happening. Gil uh, Gilbert comes back into the picture. Just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. You don't need to ask that. Huh? It doesn't matter. That does matter. Nah, of course it does. This film is one of... This is why I love it. This is why it's... Like, it's such a... This is why it's a good film. Yeah. Because, like... Although it it doesn't... Like, it doesn't matter... It sort of does at the same time. I just, like... I love it. How... I don't know if he... Like, the moments when the police come in and the big booms and all of that. I love that shit. Like, I loved it in Brazil when walls were exploding all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like, when it when it happens, like, abruptly, like, it's just... It's so it's so good. It gets you hyped. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like, as soon as all that shit happens, you're like, holy shit, all of them police for one group. Like, what? Like, how is that happening? But you don't even see it. Like, you, you just see it for, like, a minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you pulled away from it. Yeah, like, it, it's... It, they... They go from it literally takes one minute for like five hundred to a thousand police from a director and then another minute for that all to be gone. From a director's point of view, it's just using chaos to push the story. Mm-hmm. Like it's like okay, I've told the everything I wanted to say here. Let's do big old explosion. Yeah. Move the story. I'm like, <laughs> but I feel like that a lot of um, a lot of films do that. Yeah, they do. But they don't do it as John did. You That's get what I'm saying? Intensely, yeah. Yeah, yeah they... Because John, like, how, like, how you say it, he says everything he wants, then massive explosion. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's films where they're like, fuck it, massive explosions, and explain shit as the massive explosion And then there's happening. some films where they there's just massive explosions. Yeah, all the time. There's don't explain Like fuck a Transformers all. film. It's just all explosions and lens flare. <laughs> no, no explanation. I I thought it was a very, very fun film. Mm. It, it, Considering there's one, there's for, what, for what it's about and what that film could have been and how serious it could have been and how boring it could have been and how, like, how, somehow that film manages to be relatable. 
Well, it, it shouldn't yeah. be. It oh, shouldn't yeah. be. Oh, no, yeah. It has no way that it should be relatable, but it, it's ultimately very, like, heartwarming and stuff. And mm-hmm. the, what it's about, that's a real achievement, I think. There's a few, there's a few bits, though, that I want explaining that they'll never get explained. Why, I just don't think... Why do you want them explaining? Because... How did it happen? Like, where did it transition from? Like, there was no, like, oh... When they were in space. And then all of a sudden, they're at the radio station. Where did they, like... That'll be explained. That'll be something we've missed. I'll bet you that, that it wasn't. I'm sure it is. We'll look into it after with other podcasts. I'll, I'll print a script out. I'm sure it'll be that. There might be stuff in the script that isn't in the film. I mean, there's scenes in that last viewing that seem to be different than the cut that we watched last week. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to films, Martin, everyone always blames the film. No, 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 no. I'm not saying you are doing this, but I'm just saying in general. Mm-hmm. People go into a film with an kind of like expectation that this thing has to impress me. I'm the judge and you're impressed. No, no, no. I always no, say I'm no. at fault for not yeah. understanding this. It's my job as a consumer to understand what's being delivered. Before you look into it. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, I'm sort of like... To a person that doesn't look into it as much as you do, like, a, I guess, a normal consumer, a normal consumer would just see it and sort of be like, whoa, it didn't explain that. So it's a shit film. But Which is nonsense. Yeah. I don't think of it that way. It didn't explain something, yeah? And I feel like, oh, I want it to be explained. I'll watch it again. I won't look into it, I'll watch it again. Because if it's not explained in the second viewing, then I'm a, I'll have to look that up. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I that's, where, that's, where, that's where my personality would, like, come in, because then I would be sort of, like, your way. Because, like... And then you have to find it. Yeah, I have to find it. Because I'm like, it, why wasn't it explained? It's all about your end goal, what's motivating you, mind? You know? What do you mean? I don't know. You say, like, how are you so motivated? Seemingly across the board for, like... We can have a conversation about gods. We can have a conversation about... Yoshi's Island we can have a conversation about quantum physics all at the same level of energy like I'm interested in them because to me those three topics are connected by my end goal what's your end goal? just to know what's going on in the planet and where the human race stand on a galactic universal standpoint and you think Yoshi's Island is explaining Yoshi's Island (laughs) gets to that what? Yoshi's Island <laughs> is one of the most beautiful expressions of art put into the video game format possible. And I get that. But what does that lead to so, where the world is? So creativity is a force that humans channel that is outside of the cookie-cutter world that they live shows. It's mm-hmm. The world is made by creative people. Therefore, the gods must have been creative well, if gods were, if gods weren't creative, we they made us. Yeah, exactly. So we, if they weren't, we would all be the same. 
So the exact same, look the same, feel the same, everything. If they weren't created, that's why I'd be as passionate about Yoshi's Island because as I was talking about Yoshi's Island, I knew that the person that invented Yoshi's Island was a very creative person that was in tune with his spirit because he really wanted to make. This sounds like this is like on the verge of sounding like insane, but just go look at Nintendo's output. There's a reason that they're different from everyone else in the gaming industry. They've oh yeah, they're massive. They, they've got they're massively different from they've, Xbox, PlayStation, uh, PC. The thing the thing about these three, right? And money. Yeah, exactly. It's all money. All three of them are money. Now I get like if you look if you look at a Nintendo Switch, same price. For the whole five years it's been there. Well, right? the Switch is a very different console for what Nintendo have done throughout their career. And Nintendo have bought things like, I don't know, Wii Music, where you can play all these different instruments. Mm-hmm. They've done so much creative stuff. They're about making humans better. They're a, they are pro-human. I believe Nintendo are a pro-human company. Even though, even though I've got I've got a more I've got a, a Switch a, a PS4 an Xbox a PC and I I love playing every game on each different type of console I feel like PC Xbox and PlayStation are all just want to grab money they're like businesses they're, yeah they're businesses like Basically. even even the Xbox is not even a it's not even a, a gaming console. It's an entertainment, entertainment system. Yeah. System, um, yeah. You know, Japanese people have honour in what they do. Yeah, they do, but PlayStation, that's mostly run by Japanese people. I feel like in recent years, it's been run more by America. Uh, that could be 100% wrong, and we're into an area where I don't know what I'm talking about now. Because I don't think that video games overall have humanity's best intentions at mind. But then you talk about Yoshi's Island. Well, yeah, because that is a unique game. So every other game apart from Yoshi's Island... No, 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 there's a load of games that are, like, beautifully sculpted. Mm-hmm. I don't... It's like you said, there's, there's games that are not, like putting themselves in well they're not making humanity anymore this is the ultimate decision compared to like their other games this is the ultimate decision but I want to I want to do it more like I want to play more this and I know you're thinking oh no don't waste your time because of this review no don't waste your time because of this review but no, 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 no nothing to do with reviews my only decision when I hear when I think about a video game is is the person that made this game interested in my enjoyment or money or if I'm going to play the next one because some people when they make a game I've already got five games planned out it's one game's worth of content spread across five games and it's like this evil plan to hook thousands of people for five ten years nah this is where it gets me so that is that's evil shit Martin I wouldn't want anything to do with that fuck away from me with that (laughs) <laughs> I respect yeah well, that's off the table <laughs> off the table I respect you know make one game no sequels ever it's just a really good game 
It's beautiful and it stands the test of time. Yeah, but if you love that, then self control. So I put a cake on the table, eating the whole cake, and then someone bringing another cake out, and you're like, more cake! And you just eat it like a fucking idiot. So you would have one cake in your entire life, never again. I feel like you may, you, you're putting this point like, you, this is the thing about games. You can make an amazingly good game and then the sequel of that game be 10 years down the line. No, never, okay. never, right. make, that, never make a game that where That only like, happens to the best games. And that's, what that. that, that's what I'm yeah, saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But you can't say like, oh, make a game and that's it. Well, never can, make a game. I can use the cake analogy, Martin, because there's fucking hundreds of cakes out there. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah, I know. Right. I don't really like cake that much, if I'm honest. And there's only two or three cakes that I fuck with. Now, you can bring me some cake. Like, you can bring me a unique cake that's out there from one of these thousands of cakes I haven't tried. Yeah, I'll eat a slice. I'll mess with it. Hell, you might catch me. I might buy that cake for, like, a week. You're not hooking me in. I'm not hooked in for the franchise. I'm not here for all the other fucking cakes you're about to announce next week. No, that's what, not what I'm saying. Not what I'm saying. I get your point. Like, I hate it how, like, a company's like, let me make a fucking game, and then the next year, I'm going to bring another one out, and it will be twice as big as the one before, even though the one before took me four years to make. How is that happening? You know no. the game Psychonauts? Huh? You know the game Psychonauts? Yes. They've done it prop. That's a genius... I've never played that game. I've never played it. I yet. just know how respected that game is in the gaming community. It's, just the, it's just the same. It, They're only just making a second one now. Yeah, you see... 15 years after. This is now, what I'm fine saying. If you make this a is what I'm saying. But that comes from love. Mm-hmm. It's all about love. Although the, the, there is games that... Okay, there's mind-numbing games that out there that I'll, that I'll play, and I'll probably, like, if it comes out with another one next year, I'll play it, all right? That, fair enough, fair enough, that's fine. But when there's a beautiful game out there, like, if you ever looked into Horizon Zero Dawn, right? Now, I don't want them to fucking next year, well, it's been a couple of years now, but I don't want them nowhere near, I want it to be 10 years, and I want them to make the sequel twice as better but that's fine price. it comes from love when it's like that exactly but that's rare that's that, a minority it, no, no, in the gaming industry no I get it and yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying but I'm not saying like the analogy that you were putting in with the cake and I'm with the saying, cakes I'm not saying like oh the, like you're you were saying at the start that you're oh make one game and that's it I would love it when you said it. When it comes from love and it takes a long time for that game to be made, like a sequel to that game to be made mm. again, fair enough. And but I, I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it like, oh, nah, make one and that's it. Not, Never make any again. Not just one, but it's like, I'm not going to eat Twinkies my whole life dreaming of that cake I had 10 years ago. No, of so, course not. That's why I don't play that many games. Because I like I played enough shit ones and I've played enough good ones to know that the good ones only come along every now and then. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, there's games, under 10 games in my life that I've put 200 hours into. So, there's probably going to be under 50 games I play in my life. That's, like, where I'm at with gaming. Mm -hmm. But, we live, they live. They live. We have been (laughs) away from it. We live so that they... (laughs) Yeah, we should probably wrap things up. I mean... Just watch They Live if you're looking for a film that holds nothing back, wears its heart on its sleeve, and just get ready to be taken for a ride. That's it. It's a roller coaster. Like I said at the start, it's an absolute roller coaster of emotions and like good scenes, uh, explosive uh, dynamics. It's it's just. Explosive it, dynamics. <laughs> now you explain that one for me, Mark. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm yeah. just saying shit. I mean, it's I rare. You know, me and Martin. It's well, it's not. You know, we're only seven episodes in. It can't be that rare. But I mean, it. it I like it when me and Martin can find eye to eye on a film. Yeah, so there's only been two in the whole podcast at the minute. Well, you've rated Truman Show in two thousand one. Yeah. Well, I mean. The Truman Show does not compare anything to 2001 or this. Do you get what I'm saying? Like... I thought you... But you've gone on about the Truman Show loads. No. I've talked about more... I've talked to you more about one that we haven't... Put out. Yeah. Nah, you've spoke to me a lot about the Truman Show, though. You say all the time, hello, good morning, good night, good day, or whatever he says. No. You do. I, you I swear to God. Time. I swear to God, I t- I'll talk to you more about Willy Wonka than the Truman Show. Yeah, yeah, show. we've talked about Willy Wonka a yeah. fair bit, but I thought the Truman Show was up there in your favourite ones we've done. There's only seven. Mm. So obviously, like, out of the seven that we've done, 2001, They Live, it'll probably be... Charlie mm. than the Truman Show. Mm. You know what I mean? And I feel like we've t- we've made it uh we've sort of felt more uh at peace. <sighs> nah, that, that's not the right word. With what? We've like felt more into it with they live in two thousand two thousand and one than any other film that we've recorded and watched and made. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't watch Brazil twice. <laughs> I could not watch Brazil twice. But you should, though, because you, like, don't understand it. It's not... No, it's not... I, it's, it's not even that. I can, look at, I can look into that, like you do. Mm. But it's just... At the end... I know what's happening at the end. And... Oh, yeah. Remember, we didn't release that. Did we not? No, no, no. Pretty soon I forgot. Anyway, he, I know what happens at the end, and I'm like, just that that bit is just. just that could have happened in They Live, you know. Like, it may as well have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it could have. It could have, but I'm glad it didn't, because then I would have been like, that was a shit film. I'm not saying Brazil is a shit film. That's what makes Brazil a good film. The no, fact I'm that not, it took that fucking risk. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying Brazil is a shit film, but I'm saying, like, the, with what? With, I'm not saying... I know, but I'm just... You're, you're, I'm not defensive, <laughs> but I'm just talking about Brazil, the film from 1985. 
<laughs> I'm just the saying executives that... specifically took that scene out. They made them take that scene out. And when it was in the cinemas, <laughs> the film didn't have that scene. Did it not? Think of how much of a dick pull that is. Think of how the producer, the director must have felt about that. Like, that was the story. That happens at the end. Mm-hmm. And he had to, like, neuter his film. Basically. So, it, so where did it end? Oh, no, well, well I'll leave it there. That was a direct like, cut. That's what they all watched. Which? But obviously, like, imagine seeing that film and then all of a sudden that ending happening. What would you... Like, you would be like, holy it's, shit. I mean, it's not that far away. No, but if you, if you think about it, most of the films that we've watched or reviewed are not that far away from happening. Well, 2001, not that far away. The Truman Show could bear, very much be happening. None right of the now. films really have sequels that we're watching. Eraserhead, they're all like standalone yeah. things. Mm-hmm. But sequels are really good. Re- sequel, what I mean by that is films that are in series spread their content too thinly. Mm-hmm. I like one film that's like going to pack a load of shit in and blow blow my mind, mm-hmm. sort of thing. Although there are, I prefer a series to do the long thing. Yeah, because a, a series explain. I feel like a series explains a lot more, and it's got so much more information. Because the problem is with a film series is that the people that are funding the film want the film to be immediately successful. But if you're making the fourth film in a series. What you're really pandering to is the long-term fan base of that film franchise. But from the studio's point of view, they are looking to attract new people. So the film needs to be everything. It needs to be a continuation that carries on the story of the other three films. And it needs to be a whole new film on its own so we can sell it on the television and in the posters and stuff like that. Incredibly complicated. Too complicated. Not a good idea. Just like this podcast has gotten... Episode seven in the bag. <laughs> Episode seven done, boys. Um, it's been, you know, the pan, the, the verge. Um, big up Vaz, big up Brogan. That's right. Big uh, up, we're know. we're on, you know, YouTube, Instagram, MIP, OCD. You just check it out. You just go look, and you tell me what We've got you the think website going. I'm going on about. <laughs> We've got the website going, mipltd.org. Uh, check us on there. All good. We'll it's, keep, it's, all, it's all coming. That's it. We'll keep the um, conversation going. If the more people that watch it, the more we'll do it. Uh, I'll do this. No one's listening, Martin. Me and you will just sit here until we're old, like old men. Just that's talking. fine. I know. It will. It, I, we, 